You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman. <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Here we are, born to be kings. We're the princes of the There can only be one. Except for the 600 other guys waiting in the wings to be the one. In various sequels and multimedia properties. However... There can only be one Fan Holes, a pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Hey guys, welcome back to Fan Holes. Uh, we're going to have a, a very special show for you today. Um, what we're going to start out with for today's show is we're going to deal with some video games, some of our favorite RPG classics type games that we all like to play. Uh, we're going to go around and see what each of the Fan Holes' favorite is. Uh, we're also going to go someplace cold in terms of film and movies. Uh, we're going to take a look at the In the Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege tale from that mastermind of filmmaking, Uwe Boll. And uh, if we have enough time, we're going to follow up with some uh, TV slash anime type stuff and deal with uh, Robotech and Macross and kind of talk about some of the stuff that we've all experienced, uh, some of the different uh, series and films and movies and whatnot and you know, how we kind of were exposed to that kind of uh, series. So uh, just let's get started right away. Uh, this is Derek. I'm going to be your host for today. And uh, joining me today is... Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing. Critical hit! And this is Justin Grimlock. And the weight of crying bears bitter fruit. I want to add nice. one. You spoony bard. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Renee dumped you. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned for Sega. So uh, I guess I guess we'll kick it off with the video games. And uh, so yeah. the the topic we had for video games was our, our favorite role playing games classics. And uh, I guess we'll just uh, uh, we'll we'll do the random uh, start off, and I'll just go based on the icons on my Skype screen. But uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with Justin. And uh, see what he wants to share with us as far as what the uh, you know favorite RPG type video game is. Um, I guess for me, I'll have to go with Final Fantasy VII. I know that might be like a safe or overrated 
choice these days, but that's probably Cloudo. <laughs> that's still one of my favorite RPGs. Like it's it's one of the few video games that I could spend you know hours upon hours upon hours doing all the little side quests and you know just everything you you you're supposed to do. And then just running around and, you know, just exploring the whole world there. Like, I enjoy that kind of thing. But I, I'll i say this, though, and this might give me some flack. Like, I never beat Final Fantasy VII. Like, I spent, you know, hundreds of hours playing the game and having fun. But I got up to the final boss with Sevrot. And then I kept going back and just playing different little mini games and stuff. And then... My little brother comes in and accidentally saves over my memory card uh, <laughs> slot, so I, I just never had the heart to like give it the old college try and start again. Like I think I did start over once, like maybe 2002 or something, but I didn't get maybe 10 hours into it, and I just kind of you know, lost interest and moved on to something else. I think your little brother was possessed by Sephiroth or whatever. <laughs> To, could you could you actually bring yourself to go to his funeral after that or was <laughs> 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 the pain I tied, still raw? I, I tied him to the midguard cannon and then I never saw him again. <laughs> what uh, I guess since since he's brought it up, like is that does anybody else have any experiences to share in regards to the uh, Final Fantasy? I mean, it may not be number seven. I mean, maybe somebody else has played a different game to start with or, or how they were sort of exposed to that franchise i don't mind actually talking about seven seven was a, a big one for me too like i remember um I, I had a super nintendo and i didn't really graduate to the playstation for quite a while and um at our our high school prom i actually like won a playstation for free but i wasn't at the prom at that time so i didn't get it so like there's just all these missed opportunities to get one and i went to my friend friend's house um rusty was his name um and they had a playstation and like that day i went i saw resident evil which blew me away i saw grand um turismo which blew me away and then i saw final fantasy 7 and like i'd always been a final fantasy 7 fan so i watched him play that and it was it was basically you know the the um the, 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 I don't know, last nail in the coffin for me to actually get it. I saw that game, and I'm like, okay, now I need a PlayStation. So shortly after that, I went out and got one. Yeah, I noticed a lot of people seem to like to revisit the game, too, because you could also play it on your, your PSP, or you could get it on the, the PlayStation Network and things like that. So, I mean, it's definitely a popular game. I know uh, my my buddy kind of li- like loved all the Final Fantasy games and stuff like that. So sometimes he would ask me to play some stuff, you know, and I think he he wanted me to play Squall because he said that uh, I reminded him of Squall, so he made me sit down and play that game and stuff, and I remember playing that for a little while, and then uh, we ended up watching the Advent Children, which I thought was a pretty cool uh, movie, and I enjoyed that, and then uh, I think I've played some older stuff since then, like, I think I enjoyed playing, I'm not sure... Because I know they name it differently in Japan than they do in America, but I think I played the number two of um, the American version for a little bit, and I remember being entertained by that. Um, but that's kind of my my experience with that. I mean, otherwise, I, I think the most exposure I've had to it, which 
may speak badly of me, um, you know, because I'm not a super gamer or anything, is through Kingdom Hearts. So it's like I've played both those games, you know, the first one and the second one all the way through. And that's kind of where I get the most exposure to the, the Final Fantasy crew. I, I want to say, like, Final Fantasy VII is the first PlayStation game I played that had any kind of, like, cutscene to it. Because, like, my cousin got a PlayStation, like, you know, basically when it was, like, maybe a two or three days old from the store, you know. Like, he was one of those first guys who got one. And, well, you know, at the time we thought it was, like, the greatest thing that had ever been invented. We, we kind of went crazy, like, buying games and, you know, wasting late nights playing them and stuff. But I remember watching, like, the first, you know, cutscene in the game i'm just like holy crap like this is not this is a this is a movie now like we're playing a, a video hmm. game that's like half a movie and like it just like at the time it, it just blew my mind and like um yeah it's definitely definitely different from reading you know yeah. text on the screen and stuff like that yeah but like my cousin actually borrowed final fantasy 7 from one of his friends and he didn't get but maybe like maybe two hours into it and he kind of gave up, like, RPGs weren't his thing, but he wanted to, like, you know, play it because his friend rec- highly recommended Final Fantasy VII to him. So he didn't even get out of Midgard, and he just kind of gave up. And so I, I kind of took over and played it. I'm like, well, oh, this is great. Like, you're stupid for giving up. So since you got so lost in the mini games and stuff, what was your favorite little side thing to do? Um, I, I enjoyed, like, just going around and, like, trying to get all, all the chocobos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And doing all the races and stuff, trying to get up to like, a gold one. Yeah, I don't think I ever got a gold one, but like I, I really enjoyed doing stuff like that. Yeah, um, I remember the golden saucer. Like I don't know if it was a casino or what, but the little amusement park they had, and like mm-hmm. um, both that submarine game and the snowboarding game were like really fun. Yeah, I remember wasting a lot of time with the submarine thing. You know, I, I think I said before I enjoy anything that's like, you know, related to the ocean or the sea and that. That's, that sometimes you know works well with video games. Sometimes not, but I remember like playing that. You know, always running into the, like uh, the monster in the ocean. Like I can't remember which weapon it was. If it was like the mega weapon or whatever, but I always remember like trying to run into it and you know kill it or whatever. Yeah. So how about you, Mike? Uh, do you have a favorite RPG classic type video game that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um. RPGs haven't really been, like, a favorite type of game for me, but um, I have played, like, a handful of them. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I liked the Pokemon games. I mean, those are technically RPGs, aren't you? Aren't they? Like, Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, red, uh, red and blue, and then uh, silver and gold I, I played, or uh, I think I, I had silver and I had red. I, I don't think I had the other ones, but... Uh, Silver, I still consider to be one of the best, like, sequels to a game ever, just for the fact that it included the entirety of the first game in it, too. It's like, you beat, beat, like, Pokemon Silver's, like, whole main quest, and then they're like, you can go to this other island, and you go to the other island, and it's like, all the gems from the first uh, game are there. So I was like, oh, that's awesome, you know? So I always had a lot of fun with that game, um... Uh, I'd I'd have to say, though, my favorite RPG, which is also, like, on a handhold system, actually, is uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. 
uh, it was for the Game Boy Advance, or, uh, yeah, I think it was the Advance, because that was, like, the last one I had, but, uh, you know, you you're, you play as Mario and Luigi, and, like, you know, you have to go save the princess, like normal, and uh, it's a new villain uh, uh, named uh, Cacoletta, and, like, uh, the Mario Brothers and, like, Bowser have to do, like, a rival fusion to, like, team up <laughs> and take her down and stuff. And uh, it's really funny. It's got, like, the humor of the Mario games. That in, uh, It's got one of the best villains of all time in the Mario universe. Uh, Cacoletta's, like, second-in-command, uh, Fawful. Uh, he, he's, he's like, he like has the craziest like sayings. Like whenever he shows up, his catchphrase is, I have fury. So like every time he shows up, he goes, I have fury. And I don't know. He says, he says like all these random ass things that you're like, what, what? You're like, are these the people who write these things on drugs or something? But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's fun because, like, you have to be both Mario and Luigi, and, like, you have to, like, most of the, com- tur- it's turn-based combat, obviously, but most of the combat, like, relies on them using team-up attacks and stuff. So, you know, it, it's kind of, it's got a nice, like, uh, twist on the usual, like, turn-based combat, and, uh, you know... It's cool. My only gripe is that it sort of started the trend. Well, not started, but it, it continues the trend of, um, like, I, <laughs> this is kind of weird to say, but, like, out of the two Mario Brothers, I've always loved Luigi. Like, he's my favorite Mario Brother. And it seems like at a certain point, Luigi became a joke. Like, it seems like yeah. he's, like, a coward and, a, like, a... Uh, like, you know, he, no one knows who he is. Like, there's a, there's an ongoing joke in Superstar Saga where, like, they're always like, hey, it's Mario and the green guy. Or they're, they're always like, it's Mario and his sidekick. Or, you know, it's, it's Mario and, like, the other guy. And, like, Luigi's, like, Louis, you see the tiny, like, sprite of Luigi, like, start crying and stuff. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on. Luigi's cool. Yeah, you know. I'll back you up. Like, I, I was Luigi when you're for Halloween when I was a little kid, so I've always liked Luigi. It's like, well, it's it's well, funny because, it, like, like, when you say, like, who's your favorite Mario brother? And you're like, well, there's only two of them. So it's like, but I, I just like Luigi better. I don't know why. He just, he's he's taller and he's green. I don't know. He was yeah, better was, in was... Um, Super Mario 2 because he could jump high. He was the, like, best jumper. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading some uh, X-Men comics, and actually Mr. Sinister made an offhanded comment about how there were Mario Brothers with an S, and that, that <laughs> people speculate there is actually a third Mario Brother that we don't know about. So uh, let the speculation begin, please. The Mike, third you... Mario Brother, Vito. Vito Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, did you ever play any of the Dragon Quest games? Like, I thought maybe those might appeal to you just because they have Akira, Akira Troyama like character designs. Nope. Nope. Nay. I've never even played a Final Fantasy, if you can believe that. Like, <gasps> 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 oh. See, and I thought I thought I was bad because my main Final Fantasy stuff was Kingdom Hearts. But I guess I mean I have played some Final Fantasy games, like even even if it was sort of unfinished and in a limited capacity. Nope. 
Um, I watched my one of my good friends play. Uh, I, I think it was for the original PlayStation. Uh, Xeno Gears, I think it was. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that looked pretty awesome. Like I remember watching him play that for several like afternoons after school, and that looked like a game I would have enjoyed because it was like all mecha combat and stuff. Yeah. But you know, other than that, yeah, that's those are pretty much my picks. Like, I'd say, like, Superstar Saga wins by default, almost. But, you know, okay. I, I enjoyed the Pokemon games, too, a great deal, so. Yeah, I'll just I'll just go ahead and throw in mine and, and save Brian for the, you know, right hook at the end of this segment. But um, my favorite, I guess, when I was thinking about it, it took me a while, but I guess, you know, I kind of default to, like, multimedia-type games a lot of the times. So I'm not going to pick anything that, that clever or insightful, but... Um, this was back when uh, when I was really, really into Gundam, and I just wanted to get my hands on anything Gundam, and I played a ROM of the uh, Japanese release for the Famicom. It's, it's Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam Away to the New Type, and I guess it's kind of like a sequel to, uh, you know, like the original Mobile Suit Gundam type game, but they're both kind of RPGs, and since I really love Zeta Gundam and the story of it, you know, I kind of, I actually was kind of into, I guess, because I've always kind of been a little standoffish when it came to RPGs, because I think when I was, when I was younger, I was kind of more along the lines of, wait, you mean I can't just smash buttons and beat shit up? Like, I have to, like, you know, I, I kind of always hated that kind of RPG setup where, you know, you pressed a button, and then your character would move and, like, take a swipe, and then it'd be, like, two points, you know? Because I'd be like, what? I want to mash the buttons. Like, I don't know. I know that's kind of stupid, but it's just, like, that's kind of how I always was. And I think because I was so into uh, to Zeta Gundam, like, I kind of bypassed that uh, prejudice or whatever, you know, and I started playing the game. And since I was already pretty much intimately familiar with the story. It didn't matter that there was, like, a bunch of Japanese text and stuff. I just sort of had to figure out, you know, which were the right buttons for, you know, yes and no and, you know, continue and stuff like that. And once I kind of figured that out, it was pretty easy to get the hang of things. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of enjoyed it because it's funny, like, you talk about, like, the the actual cinematic cut screens of, say, like, Final Fantasy. Well, this is kind of back in the, you know, sort of, you know, sprite, you know, text-based cutscenes. So if you if you if you are familiar with the Zeta Gundam franchise, there's like this really funny moment where, um, well, I guess it's not funny in the actual series, but for the video game, it was hilarious to me because in the uh, the storyline, uh, you know, Noah Bright is one of the Federation, you know, soldiers, and he was you know the captain of White Base and all that kind of stuff. And so here in the beginning of the anime, you know, you kind of see him getting uh, you know, disciplined, uh, shall we say, by uh, the Titans and their or the Tetons, you know, and they're basically they're beating the shit out of uh, you know Bright, and because he's not, you know, he's not one of the elite Titan, uh, you know, uh, Federation guys. He's just kind of a regular Federation guy, so he's not part of that, you know, elite echelon. And they're kind of taking it out on him, and they they basically they kick the fucking shit out of him. I mean, they just beat the fucking shit out of him. But what's funny is. In the in the cutscene of the video game, it's like this funny little scene where you can see uh, what's his name Noah Bask or I, I can't think of what what that the bad ba guy's name Bask, is. Bask, yeah, I don't, I yeah, forgot Bask, right, it. with the little goggles, yeah. yeah. And so like 
So he's he you can see his face and you can see the little Japanese text like he's got some lines of dialogue and then Bright comes in and says his piece, you know, and he kind of go through it. But it's this kind of very limited frame animation of these two little sprites. And then the, the Basque sprite walks up to the, the Noah sprite and just puts out his arm and then like Bright just flies across the room. And it's just <laughs> like and it's like, you know, and he like, you know, basically like flies across the room and gets hit or whatever. But, like, stuff like that I was always kind of amused by because it's like I knew what the story was and I knew how to follow it. And I guess it kind of varies between uh, – I, I don't know what the technical way to describe it is, but it kind of varies between doing kind of like a first-person shooter-type situation and then back to the kind of RPG situation where you're kind of moving your – your character along kind of a battlefield screen and stuff like that. So it's like sometimes the battlefield is space and sometimes it's different cities and locations and stuff like that. But like when you're usually fighting the space battles, it's like against like uh, Shiroko or somebody like that or, or Jared or one of those guys, Yazan or somebody like that. When you're in the Gundam, it's usually kind of like a first person thing where you kind of have to lock in on the screen, you know, and do it in a specific way so that you can actually, you know, hit the, the guy as he flies at you. Because otherwise, if you kind of miss him, then it's kind of like he he actually starts landing hits on you instead. So, but yeah, that that's probably like one of my more favorite games, I guess, just because I love uh, Zeta Gundam so much. But um, yeah, I guess I'll just move it on along and, and go down to uh, Brian and have him finish us off with his uh, favorite RPG video game. All right. Well, I went with um, – and I think the original topic was classic, so I stuck with classic RPG video games. Um, and this was sort of like my first RPG game you know, overall. Uh, I had played Zelda on Nintendo, but that's kind of like an action RPG. Um, and I kind of came into my first full-fledged RPG by accident. Um, I remember going to like an arcade with my uh, sister's boyfriend at the time, and we'd played Street Fighter 2 and like Final Fight in the arcade, um, you know, most of that day. So I was really into those games, and when we got home, I'm like, man, I want to get that game, you know, for my Super Nintendo. So anyways, my dad and I, we went out to Walmart, and I was trying to remember the name, and all I could remember, you know, playing that day was Final something. So at Walmart, I ended up seeing Final Fantasy 2, which is now Final Fantasy 4, but at the time it was Final Fantasy 2, and I'm like, oh, that must be it. So I grabbed it, and then um, on the way home, my dad was asking me about the game. He's like, what kind of game is that? And I was looking at the back, and it had like you know a picture of a castle and a guy walking around. I'm like, I don't know. I think it's a game about kings or something. He's, and then my dad got mad at me because like, I didn't know what game it was, and he, he thought I just was buying a game at random. He's like... Dang it, Brian, these games are $50. You can't just be buying them at random and not knowing what you're getting. But um, so when I actually got home, you know, and started playing, I, I was, like, blown away by the game. Um, you know, unlike Derek, who didn't like, you know, he liked to be more active and just button mashing and stuff. I liked the turn-based stuff because it allowed me time to strategize. And, you know, it was awesome to be able to walk around this huge world map, go to all these different towns, whatever. So um, Final Fantasy 2 slash 4 is probably my favorite classic Final Fantasy Final game. game. Um, uh, it's also the one I think I've beaten the most and probably bought the most. Um, in addition to the Super Nintendo version, I have had the Game Boy Advance ver version. Um, then they released a 3D version on um, Nintendo DS. I have that. And then I think 
as part of like a PlayStation collection um, yeah. for the PlayStation One to have that as well. So um, definitely, definitely a great game. You uh, appreciate the 3D version? Does it make it any better for you, or is it just kind of uh, more a nostalgia type thing? Um, like actually, like every version that I bought, like had a reason I was buying it. Like with the PlayStation version, I know they added cutscenes kind of similar to what Final Fantasy VII had. So it was cool to see like these, you know, characters I'd only known as sprites like brought to life and CGI. Um, the Game Boy Advance, I think it had like um, an extra dungeon or something when you're done. So yeah, I did enjoy that. And then um, the the DS version being in 3D, you know, it, it changed it up, and you could you could rotate towns and stuff, and all your characters were in 3D. So it was all brand new art, and yeah, it was very neat to revisit the game with you know, new graphics. Cool. Well, it sounds like we kind of covered everybody's uh, favorite classic RPG game, whether they were all classic or not. Um, so then uh, I guess we'll we'll keep the train, the fan holes continuum, Galaxy Express space train moving, and uh, we'll, we'll go on to uh, Someplace Cold. Somewhere cold. So Someplace Cold, in case uh, people haven't ever listened to the podcast before, is usually a segment where we kind of delve into a bit of negativity, a bit of haterdom or what have you, and we usually focus on, you know, something that's not entirely the greatest thing in the world and kind of vent our uh, frustration with it. Like uh, we said in the intro, uh, the uh, film we're going to talk about for a little while is In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale, which is by that master of crappy, awful films, uh, Uwe Boll. Um, usually he picks, you know, video games and tries to make these uh, atrocious movies out of them that usually have nothing to do with the video game. Me, myself, I've never played the video game version of this game, so I was hoping maybe somebody else knows a little bit more about it to, to compare a little more. All I really know about the movie is that it was randomly on the Sci-Fi channel one night. My dad was watching it. And I heard Ray Liotta in the back hamming it up, kind of, you know, <laughs> doing his, 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 you know, good fellas thing. But I come in and it's, he's a fucking sorcerer. So I was just, and I was, I was, it was like a train wreck that I was so utterly fascinated by. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, cause, cause Ray Liotta was sitting there. He's like, I'm a sorcerer. I do fucking magic here. You know, and I was like, Wow, like, what is this movie, you know? And I'm like, I gotta watch this whole thing, you know? And, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I was, I, I was kind of highly amused by it. Like, it's so, it's so bad, but it's, you can't, you can't stop watching it. I mean, and there's so many, like, big name actors in it. I mean, you got, you got, uh, you know, John Rhys Davies, you know, you got Sala as, like, the, one of the good, uh, warlocks that that works for the king, and uh, you know I know I know Mike uh, brought up this uh, I guess trope that he he wants to bring uh, to fruition among the internet community, but it's the power of enough, which is basically you know sometimes you know in comics or sci-fi or movies or TV a guy gets piled on by like seventeen guys, and then you know kind of like Neo with all the uh, Agent Smiths, and he just kind of pows them all off, you know, but usually in the comics, when somebody does that, they kind of go, ENOUGH! 
you know, and they kind of, <laughs> you know, throw all these guys off, off their back or whatever. But, uh, uh, Sala or John Reese Davies as the good warlock actually has one of those moments where, you know, there's, there's, they're doing this magic sword fight and Ray, Ray Liotta's kind of like, you know, pulling a Darth Vader to his Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, I'm the master here now, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And he's got, he's got all these different swords and shit and, and they're all kind of flying around. So it's like, there's like five or six swords and they're all, you know, doing, uh, Errol Flynn fencing, but with CGI and they're kind of, you know, doing the sword fight between themselves, but eventually, like, Sala's, like, kind of had enough, and he's kind of like, ENOUGH! You know, and all the fucking swords, like, fly away and stuff like that, so... Like, stuff like that was kind of fun, funny, and, and then Matthew Lillard is, is a fucking ham. You know, he's, like, this little kind of, you know, prissy... Uh, you know, he, he's the, you know, supposed he's an heir to the throne, uh, uh, you know, of, of the main king, and uh, and he's kind of... He's kind of like the star scream of the movie, you know, he's like, he's like part of the Royal Council, but he's such a, you know, he's a slob. He, he kind of is one of those entitlement type people, you know, he thinks he deserves the kingship, but he doesn't really, he doesn't really do anything to earn it. And, you know, so it's like, it's just kind of funny to see that character because he's kind of like, will none of you lift a finger to help your king? You know, and you're kind of like, no, you're an asshole. <laughs> like, nobody's going to help you. But, you know, anyway, I'll, I'll let some of the other fan holes take a stab, but, um, you know, uh, you know, to see, because I know some of them have just recently seen it, but that's that's kind of my quick, you know, uh, you know, quick two cents on, uh, you know, In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale. I'm kind of glad that you... Uh brought up that Ray Liotta thing and also did such a awesome impersonation of him. Cause I was kind of thinking the same thing of like how, how weird it was to see him and like, I don't know, this, you know, medieval type movie setting, but along with him also like Jason Statham, like, you know, only seeing Clank or crank movies, stuff like that is kind of weird to see him in such, you know, a different setting. Yeah. Cause he's got his, he's got his fucking, uh, his boomerang of doom or whatever the fuck. That right. Is, is Statham meringue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. There were, like, a few funny bits. Like, um, I liked it when uh, Matthew's, uh, Matthew's character was character. trying to kill the king uh, by shooting him with arrows, and he misses, like, three or four times. He's just like, oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, no one else is noticing. He's just, like, taking like, pot shots at the king. That was pretty funny. And then, like, the bridge scene um, where they fall off, that was good. And uh, th- there's also parts that confused me, too, like, in in the beginning of the movie, um, Farmer, which is like the character's name, right? Uh, yeah, that's the Jason Statham for anybody who's not familiar with the film and is just listening to us bitch about this awful movie. <laughs> well, Farmer, who is a farmer, like uh, his wife and son are going to harvest, and she says a line like, you know, oh, I hate sleeping alone. So I was kind of assuming that wherever they were taking their harvest to sell, like was going to be really far away. But then the next scene, like, Farmer at home gets attacked by those orc things, which kind of reminded me of Putties from, like, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But uh, anyways, he gets attacked by these orc things, and it's, like, almost like he walks over a hill, and he's already at where, like, his wife and son are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, like, it wasn't a part of He, like, takes a short jog, and he's already there, and I was like, what? But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of glad this... This topic was recommended because I've always, always wanted to see one of Mr. Bull's movies. So, because I, you know, you always hear how bad they were. So it was like kind of cool to see actually firsthand how bad it actually was. It's it's funny for me though because I think most of the movies I've seen before, 
I had been exposed to the video game before, like Alone in the Dark, or um, I'm trying to think like what else he made, like House of the Dead maybe, and like some other stuff. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen, you know, I played the video game before I ever saw the movie. But that's that's a case where it's kind of different for me. So like I was gonna ask, I don't know if anybody knows or not, but like you know how in the end battle, it's like mostly like you said, it's like these kind of orc type things in this kind of medieval setting. So there are these kind of you know, knights and, and, and kind of darkling warriors on horses and, you know, stuff that kind of makes sense. But, like, that last final battle, like, I swear to God, out of fucking nowhere, ninjas just fucking <laughs> right. swing from the fucking trees out of fucking nowhere. And I was kind of like, I don't know if that is some part of the game that I'm just not familiar with or whatever, but I was like, where the fuck are these? Who the, what? Like, I was kind of like, why are there ninjas in the middle of this medieval, like, you know, I don't know. It just, I was, like, totally baffled by that. I kind of was confused whether they were p- part of, like, you know, those girls that were in the trees, too, and, like, swinging Oh, right, on. right. Like, I don't know little, if they were part of that group or not, but, like, um, yeah, first those ninjas yeah, show up, and I'm like, oh, that's probably the girls. But then the girls show up later without, like, ninja gear on, so, yeah, I have no yeah, clue. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of like, who are those guys? Like, like you know, it was almost like... It's like it's like kind of like you know you're sitting there and it's like uh, and civil war you know reenactors <laughs> come to the medieval battle you know it's like it's, it's like just something random that like comes out of nowhere where you're kind of like what it's like and now you know warriors with you know turbans and like you know long swords enter the battle you know and you're just kind of like what is going on and now yeah. Eskimos. Yeah, you're like Eskimos <laughs> with spears. Engage, you know, it's like engage, you know. It's like what the hell? Yeah. But uh, what what about you, Mike? I know, I know you you seem to be. Uh, I, I remember when I last talked to you, you seem to be engaged with uh, with Ron Perlman's journey in the movie. Do you wanna <laughs> yes. do you wanna talk about that for, for yes. our listeners? That's another. Uh, he he exhibited another trope I often like to bring up on this podcast, or another of our in jokes, kind of uh, like they establish Ron Perlman as like an old war buddy or something of Jason Statham, or like some old friend or something, and like they end up going on a quest with that other guy who I didn't even recognize. Uh, I don't know if you know who Legolas. that actor was or <laughs> Legolas. Yeah, I don't know whoever that <laughs> other guy was, but it's like you know they go on the quest. And, you know, then then a uh, farmer gets, like, separated from them, and they get captured. And, like, midway through the movie, Ron Perlman just decides, well, I think I'm about to use up all my power. Because he just <laughs> goes nuts and starts attacking the people who's captured him. And then they just kill him. And then, like, like... It's it's like midway through the movie, and they just killed him. And the other like the other generic guy is just like, oh well, I guess you got what you always wanted—a heroic death in battle. And then let that's it. Like they never mention him again. And there's still like an hour left in the movie. So I would call that a, an example of someone who used up all their power. And like, the the best part about that too is like, I'm sorry, go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, I, I just use that term now for anyone who just randomly decides to leave the plot, even though the plot is still in mid, like complete swing. So, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, like, um, unless I missed it, like, you see him, like, kicking ass and stuff, and then it shows a shot of, like, 
who I call muscular Legolas because that's who he looks like. And then it goes back to Ron Perlman, and he's got like all this blood on his gut, and he just follows falls over. So I, I like didn't even see the killing blow. I guess he's just all he's just <laughs> kicking ass, and then all of a sudden he's like, ugh, and dead. <laughs> he's just like, I don't want to be in this love, movie love- anymore. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you you cared about Ron Perlman so much you couldn't you couldn't bear to see him actually killed on camera. That's that's how it just uh, wouldn't how, be how. believable. So uh, I, I know I know Justin hasn't seen the movie yet, um, but I did want to mention that that uh, Claire Forlani is uh, Farmer's wife is Jason Statham's wife, and I believe you liked Claire Forlani, so I just wanted to bring that up again. Hmm. She was the chicken mall rats that was, um, oh, yeah. you know, that was, uh, uh, what's his, you know, uh, Jeremy London. Uh, yes. Jeremy London's girlfriend. Yeah, I like that. her. So, so just, just so, just so we're, we're on the same page and bringing up her since, since I'm hating on the movie while I recall farmer and, and total spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, tough shit, um, but <laughs> you know, like, like total spoilers, Farmer and Claire Forlani, they have a, a son, right? And so when all this shit goes down and the orcs are attacking or whatever, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, run, you know, find your mother, run, run, whatever, right? And stupid shit like that. So little shit runs off or whatever, and then I think Ray Liotta's like, I'm a sorcerer over here! <laughs> and he catches up with the fucking kid and, like, you know, steps on him or whatever. You know, basically he kills the kid, right? So just keep in mind... The kid is dead, right? The kid's deader than a fucking doornail. It's really sad. Farmer thinks the wife is dead, even though she's been captured or whatever, right? And so he buries his child, you know, and they got all these rocks and they pile it up and everything. You see all these rock burials and everything. And so they go off to, uh, you know, I don't know, like, you know, see what the king's going to do about it and all this other shit. But the, the, the main point that I wanted to get across was at the conclusion of the movie, of course, Claire Forlani's been captured and everything. And, and Farmer, you know, of course, storms the fucking castle to fight, you know, I'm a sorcerer over here, you know, and like, and like, he, you know, he fights him to save, you know, to save his wife and everything. And when, uh, when, when Ray Liotta's doing his sorcerer bullshit, he's kind of like, hey, it looks like you was, uh, pregnant over here, you know, and he, he senses, with his sorcerer powers that Claire Forlani has a child. And it's like, oh, you know, you have his child. Like, he will come. I don't have to search him out. You know, he will come to me, you know, or whatever. Right. And so, so of course, he storms the castle and all this stuff. So so now she has this other baby. But, like, what, what cracks me up is, like, at the end of the movie, it's almost like there's no mention of the fact that this little cute blonde-haired uh, child that they had together is dead. There's no grief over it. It's more like, come here, baby, give me some sugar, and let's pump out the other baby. <laughs> you know, and, like, that's kind of how the movie ends. And I don't know why, like, I just felt like there's something, like, completely awkward about that. Like, it was like, if if that was going to be the case, then maybe there shouldn't have been a, a young child to die at all. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but it just... It just felt weird to me, like like kind of off kilter, and I just kind of wanted to bring that up. And I'm kind of surprised I was leaving it open, so uh, maybe one of you want to go into who the king is and <laughs> and vent about that a little bit because I was saving it for one of you guys. I well, was, I go was ahead. Say yeah, mention that the 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 good guy or the the good king is Burt Reynolds. So <laughs> yeah, all I wanted to say was the only positive thing I have about the movie, and um, that is I liked when Burt Reynolds died. Because I could, tell, I could tell he was dead because he closed his eyes. 
Oh, and of course it turns out that Farmer Jason Statham is actually Burt Reynolds' son. So yes, yes, he is the king. Yep. So yeah. And Matthew Lillard's so, like, what? Yeah. Again, if you haven't seen the movie, tough shit, because because we totally spoiled it. So. Zoinks. <laughs> like, Zoinks. But still, I mean, it, it it doesn't matter what the plot is. The plot's fucking terrible. Like. Like, it's an experience. Like, if you're going to watch the movie, it doesn't matter if you know what's coming, because you'll still be like, what the fuck? Like, it's it's an experience. You have to kind of see it for yourself. So so I guess that's one of those pussy-ass, semi, you know, nostalgia-critic recommendations where I'm like, the movie sucks, but you have to watch it because it's an experience or something. So so I'm going to go with that. But, <laughs> um, you know... But um yeah so I guess I guess that is uh that is in the name of the king a dungeon siege tale we we went someplace cold and now we're going to go out of the igloo and and sneeze like a wolverine and come back to the X mansion and uh talk about something a little more positive So guess what I've done old friend I done all guess I've made myself king king of the krug Now I serve a king who deserves my utmost devotion me Enough And our final segment is going to be on uh, TV slash anime, I guess. Um, we're going to talk about the series Robotech. And I guess by extension, uh, I think uh, some, some talk of Macross will come up out of that. Um, Macross was a, a Japanese anime series that uh, was adapted in America as the series Robotech. And so uh, I guess, I guess uh, some of us, uh, I know Brian... Uh, picked up the uh, the A and E DVD box set of of the Macross saga for Robotech um, in Walmart for pretty cheap, and I think I ended up getting all three of the sets, um, the A and E sets on Amazon. And uh, last I remember, they were still having like the same kind of similar sale, like where it was about I don't know thirty five bucks for all three sets and stuff like that. It's it's a fairly comprehensive DVD set. I mean, it's got all the different you know I guess it's it's Macross and the other two series, which I haven't really watched, I think it's like, what, Southern Cross and Mospita or something like that. So it's got the other two series, and then it's got a bunch of special features. Like, it's got the, I, I guess they tried to make a sequel to Robotech that was American-made and have the Japanese guys animate it, and it was called The Sentinels. And so they've got, like, I think the two episodes of that that they ever made, and, you know, like the movie and different different kind of rare you know, backstory and, and, and documentaries and things like that. So it's a, I mean, if you ever, you know, if you're really into that kind of thing, it's a, it's a good set to get if you're a fan of, of Robotech. Um, but I guess, I guess we'll talk more about the actual, um, the actual series and stuff. But, uh, well, what about you? Uh, I'll just go around the, the circle again, but go back to Justin and maybe you want to talk about maybe some of your first exposure to, to Robotech or maybe Macross or which one you saw first or which one you like better. I guess I was first exposed to like the Robotech version. Um, I don't really have like a whole lot of like in depth memories, but you know, I think I mentioned on the, a Transformers show, like if I was sick and got to stay home from school, my mom would usually rent Transformers a movie, and I would watch that. Well, there were occasions where you know some other SOB would have rented that movie the day I chose to be sick. 
And on those days, I'd usually get to watch maybe something of Robotech. And I remember watching a few episodes of the series on VHS tape. And I think I remember watching the Do You Remember Love movie. Like, I, I think I was watching, like, the Bionoids version, Clash of the Bionoids or whatever. And oh, is that is that the like with the funny kind of Godzilla dubbers and stuff? Yeah, that's like you know, that's what's now considered like the really terrible like blasphemous version of Macross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's talking? I saved you before, remember? Please, no more answering back. Just get on with your job. But who's gonna deal with the enemy? Lead them to the Defense Force Network. They'll handle them. I'll deal with them. I'm not listening to a woman. Go! Wait! You shamanist! You disobey my orders! But I remember as a kid, I remember thinking the animation was really nice, but like as a kid, it didn't make much sense to me what was going on. Like I just remember like there was these weird like giant aliens and this girl singing like killed them or something. Like I mean, I, I went back and watched it now. Like I watched them. Um, uh, subbed version of Do You Remember Love like a uh, few weeks ago. And, you know, it, it made perfect sense to me now, but just as a kid, I'm just like, what is this movie about? Like, I don't understand, but, you know, it's pretty. Um, I think I think it works better, Do You Remember Love? Like, I, I, my my take on it is, is I think it works better as a companion piece. Like, I mean, I don't know, like, that I'm, maybe I'm biased because of whichever versions I've seen or seen first or whatever, but I, I kind of tried to watch all the different versions of Macross before we did this and, or, or, you know, Robotech or what have you, you know, and like they have the actual, you know, you've got the Harmony Gold, you know, Robotech dub itself that was released in America. And I, I watched that whole thing on the A&E set that I set, talked about that, that Brian and myself had bought, but there's also, you know, you can watch both of them for free on Hulu and uh, there's also the the Macross dub too, and so there's there's all different versions of it. And then and then you know from Macross you've got the Do You Remember Love movie. But to me it's kind of like watching a Gundam compilation movie if you haven't watched like all 50 episodes of the TV series. You know how they kind of try to tighten things together. I mean obviously, Do You Remember Love is all new animation. It's kind of like a combination between Endless Waltz and a Gundam compilation movie because the the source material, you know, the story, it, it takes all, you know, whatever it was, like 39 episodes of Macross and compresses it into, you know, like what, like two hours or something like that. But then, of course, the character designs are kind of slightly tweaked and different. You know, Rick Hunter's, you know, space suit and different things like that. It's like, it's like you know, Hero Yui's, you know, Gundam where it's got the feathers on it or it doesn't, you know, like that kind of thing. But I, I always kind of thought it was more better to... You know, as a companion piece where you watched it, you know, maybe after you saw the whole series and then that way it wouldn't be so kind of like, huh, this is kind of choppy. And yeah. But I don't know, maybe somebody else has not watched Macross and has just watched Do You Remember Love and has a different take on it. I remember like when I got to be in high school and got more into anime, like I got more into Macross. Like one of my buddies was a huge, huge anime dork and – I remember he was having an argument with another friend about the series called Macross Plus. And my friend was like, man, that's a really great series. And my other friend was like, no, that's terrible. It's it's all about like singing holograms and testing all these mechs. And there's no fighting and there's no violence or nudity. It doesn't make any sense. So I like I hadn't seen it. So 
after school one day, I went to his house and we watched it, which it's only like um, a four-episode OVA or whatever. But um, I remember liking it at the time, and I sat down and watched it like maybe a month ago, and I think it still holds up pretty well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, what's interesting is like looking at it today. You know, one of the subplots is they have this holographic girl, and they're testing out the AI, and it kind of goes crazy. Well, you know, just recently we've had, like, the holographic, you know, Tupac, and there's also, like, a, you know, anime-esque-looking holographic pop star in Japan. So when you look at Macross Plus, you can see, like, well, that's really weird. Like, they made that, like, in the mid to late 90s, and now we're kind of at the point already where we can make holographic pop stars. Like, that's really, you know, that's kind of like, you know, life imitating art. Like, it's really interesting I, to me. I, I, can, I can only hope giant that Giant Zentradi invade us and <laughs> that we will have giant chicken walker F-15s just, to fight them. Justin, with. are you implying that holographic Tupac will go insane and kill us all? <laughs> No, I, I think holographic Tupac will be like uh, Min Man shit. Like you put holographic Tupac up there, and then all of a sudden the Zentradi just all explode and shit. <laughs> and it's like he's our secret weapon, holographic Tupac. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the holographic Tupac Min May porno to come out. Oh. <laughs> I gotta log out. Leave Min Min May alone. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't. I can't abide by leaving Lin Min May alone. Like she's like, she's like the combination of like every 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 girl I've ever had a crush on and every girl I've ever went out with. Like you know, just like all this kind of like flaky, mm -hmm. like weird kind of stuff that she she does or whatever. Like it's like you could see why why you know Rick or or you know. I forget what the the Japanese name is, but like why why he's got a crush on her and everything, you know, and and is totally into her and stuff like that. But it's like it's funny how like she she kind of becomes a star and and she kind of you know she's kind of unconscious oh. until she thinks she's actually going to lose him at the very end, you know. And it's like the whole, I don't know for me like the whole time you're watching it, you're like oh of course he's going to end up with you know of course he's going to end up with Lisa, you know like. Like, how could he not end up with Lisa? Like, she actually kind of seems like a, you know, somebody who has a head on her shoulders or whatever, where Min May always kind of seems like, you know, I don't know, out to lunch or up in the clouds. <laughs> and then, and then, and then kind of what I was talking about before with like the different dubs, like, the thing I thought that baffled me all to hell was in that Macross dub, they used the original Japanese voice actress from Macross. So, but she's speaking English. So it's like, it's really weird, like, because the guy who does, um, you know, who does Rick Hunter or whatever, you know, his Japanese name is in the Macross thing, like, that's the same actor who does Ed Elric from Full Metal Alchemist in that version. So, you know, you've got some, some experienced, you know, VAs and stuff like that, and they're, you know, for the most part, you know, whether they're, you know, from Texas or, or Canada or wherever they're from, you know, you know, they're, they're experienced, but they also kind of have a, you know, a distinct kind of sound and style to the way they deliver their lines and everything. So it's kind of like, you know, you can imagine, you know, somebody going, damn it, Min May, I can't deal with this right now. And then Min May will be like, what you do right now make me feel so bad, you know, and you're just kind of like, 
And and I'm not trying to be like mean about it. It's just like who thought that was a good idea? Like, you know, like it's kind of like I I don't know. Like it just it's just really it kind of like if you try to watch that version of it, it's like I don't know. It just totally takes me out of um, you know, the realm of you know suspension of disbelief or whatever. Because you're like I can't I can't take that version seriously. Anytime she comes on the screen, and it's like it's almost like it's more grating than Min May normally is to me. Where it's like you know oh, she's just being a flighty girl. You know I'd rather it be the uh, the Harmony Goldman way, where it's like, oh, Rick, like, I totally forgot we had a date, but... Rick's Japanese name is Hikaru. Oh, Hikaru. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because like at the end, it's like that was the only thing the 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 dub Minmay and Macross could say right. It was like she said she was like Hikaru. Like she said that perfectly, but then everything else in English was like terrible. So it was just like I don't know. But anyway, that's just me. But um, but uh, so I guess we'll I don't know. We'll, uh, I know anybody can chime in that wants to, but we'll we'll kind of move it on to uh, to Mike and just. Like, how about you with Macross? Like, what what kind of stuff have you seen? Like, what are your thoughts um, on it? I've not seen very much at all. Um, I don't. I I, I kind of remember watching Robotech like as a kid, but it didn't really stick with me. Um, I saw Do You Remember Love when I was like twelve, and I was like first like getting into Japanese anime, and I think I remember liking it then, but like I didn't like remember it so well, so I watched it again like this week, and uh, yeah, it was okay, and you know. It's a, the the funniest thing I noticed was like I was like wow like uh, all these mecha shows like use the same sound effects like I I hear all these sounds like from Gundam and stuff and Transformers and I'm like ah yeah like yeah, like yeah. all the sound effects sound really familiar but you know do you think I mean me and you do you think as fans of Gundam is it something easier for you to to get into because I think I think I to be honest like when I was a kid. Like, I know I had a Rick Hunter action figure, like the little G.I. Joe one and everything, but I don't think I watched much Robotech because I think by the time I came home, I was always seeing the end credits of Robotech. Like, by the time I got home, you know, like, whatever was on, it was like I'd see, like, you know, just the end credits of it and go, oh, that kind of looks cool. If only I got home at, like, you know, 2.30 instead of, you know, 3.30 or, you know, whatever it was, like, then maybe I would watch this show, you know, but I never really did as a kid. And then I think in college, some people, you know, told, were like, oh, this show's awesome, you know, and I watched a couple of VHS tapes, but that was kind of before the dawn of, you know, DVD or what have you, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't so into it that I tried to track it down myself, you know, and I kind of just watched those couple episodes. But, you know, watching the, the DVDs over this last Christmas holiday, I kind of just pounded through all of them, you know, because I, I guess I kind of attribute it to me being a fan of Gundam, where I was just kind of into the whole, you know, it's, it's kind of soap opera-y, you know, the whole three-way, you know, love triangle between Lisa and Rick and Min May and that kind of thing. And then, you know, you've got, uh, you know, his his brother or his bro or whatever, I guess not in the, not in the, Macross, but you know what I mean, like the the one uh, blonde. Uh, blonde dude or whatever, Max. you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and so like you know, it's like you've got all these you know different characters and stuff like that. Just like Gundam kind of has a 
a rich, you know, yeah. background of characters. Like, uh, I, I found it easy to follow just because I was, like, familiar with Gundam almost. Just because, you know, you, you have a certain amount of, like, archetypes you can use. And even, even like, like Roy Fokker, like, he's like the, uh, you know, all, there's always, like, the older veteran guy in Gundam who has to teach, like, the main yeah, character yeah. the ropes and stuff. So and it's kind of like how he kind of inherits his his ship at the end, kind of like the way, like, usually in a Gundam show, like, whatever the, the, the show is named, if it's named ZZ Gundam, you know, like, halfway through, they're actually going to bust out and pilot the ZZ Gundam, whereas the yeah. first, you know, half of the show, it's kind of like they're piloting some other ship or whatever. Yep. So. Yeah, like, they get the starter set, and then they have to upgrade to the title card Gundam, or, yeah. Take off, take off the uh, robo-training wheels exactly, and yeah. get in the real ship. You know, now now instead of riding around in jet fire, I got jet fire with the skull and bones. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It did it, it it had really nice animation. I, I and I was saying it's really '80s, like you know the hairstyles and the music, and you know just I was like, wow, this is a like nostalgia trip almost. It's like '80s as hell. <laughs> and what about you, Brian? I know I know you were I know you were one of the guys like me that that bought that AMC uh, DVD set from walmart like how far along did you get in it like were you enjoying it um i was really enjoying it actually i I didn't get uh as far as i wanted to i always seem to get distracted from things but um yeah i liked it a lot uh i think a lot of it speaks just to the fact that like so many japanese cartoons like tell ongoing stories where like you know american cartoons are more episodic so i really like the continuity like progressing and like being with it and watching it you know, episode to episode. As a kid, like, I, I remember I had, uh, I think, a Macross 2 comic, and I really liked that. And um, I think the artwork was all from the the manga, like it was, like it was an adaptation from Macross 2, the, um, you know, cartoon. But uh, I liked all the drawings, and it. it was black and white, but I really dug that. And then when I was a little bit older and starting to get into, you know, um, anime and stuff, like, I remember seeing Macross 2 at, like, Suncoast for, you know, $40 or whatever ridiculous price they were charging. So I ended up getting it, and I totally did not like the movie at all. Like, I, I don't know, just all the singing and stuff totally, like, <laughs> struck me the wrong way. So, you know, flash forward another 15 years to now, and, yeah, I saw yeah, that, that Robotech set at Walmart. It was, like, 12 bucks, It was 14 hours of footage, so I kind of just took the plunge thinking, you know, if it sucks, at least it's cheap. And yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I, I do recall, like, especially with what Justin was talking about, like the Macross Plus OVAs. I think I remember watching some of those on Showtime when I was trying to uh, expand my anime horizons and stuff and watch different stuff no matter what it was, you know, just, you know, renting shows or watching them on cable and things like that. But I, I think I think watching, uh, you know, anime hologram singers, you know, defeat the enemy was kind of tantamount to to blue cupcakes to me a <laughs> yeah. little bit where i was kind of like what i was like what the fuck is this you know and i think when you watch when you watch macross or you watch robotech it's kind of like you're like oh like like i i guess you have more of a grounded background mm-hmm. for it you know what i mean because you you kind of see that show and you're like oh well that's how they defeated you know the the bad guys at, you know at the end of this first you know, series, and it, it kind of makes more sense how, you know, 
they they sort of set that up instead of it sort of coming out of nowhere. At least that's how it felt. I think when I when I watched uh, Macross Plus back in college, and I didn't really have much of a reference, right? To the original, like your blue cupcake yeah. analogy, like is perfect for me because at that point, I think I'd maybe seen stuff like Vampire Hunter D or Ninja Scroll, which was like you know straightforward action, you know blood guts, and I was like awesome. And then I got Macross Two, and they're singing and dancing. I'm like, what's this? So yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah, I remember feeling that way too. Where I was kind of like, I don't get it. Like, what is this? You know. So yeah, but um, but yeah, I I totally like I enjoyed it. I wish I had a chance to watch some of the the more I guess follow up shows that they adapted out of Robotech. But to be honest, I think once I once I got past the Macross saga, I I kind of lost a little interest in it after that point, even though my my set came with the other two series. Like I tried to watch some of the stuff that that they made those sort of those fake sequels Hunter. with Rick Hunter and the characters and stuff. But it's interesting to hear Harmony Gold talk about it because it seems like they were really pushing, uh, you know, Rick Hunter, you know, and, and the original Macross people. Like, they're like, we want to make a sequel of this because pe- obviously that really spoke to people. Mm-hmm. And I think in Japan it was kind of frowned upon because it was like, you, you know how people, like, get all, you know, uh, pissy about you know the before Watchmen stuff and the sequels and stuff. I think you know Macross in Japan was like that. It was like oh this is a this is a great series and we're not gonna sort of defame it by doing the continuing adventures of Rick Hunter. You know like following the continuing adventures of Rick Hunter in these comics. <laughs> you know like they they didn't they didn't want to kind of go down that that route. And and then there was also the, always the speculation from I guess the Harmony Gold people. That, you know, they wanted to sort of make and create footage for their own shows. So they kept trying to push the characters from the other two shows. Right. You know, like, so so it's kind of interesting to hear that. And I guess that's why it kind of, you know, ultimately fell apart. Min May, Robotech beauty queen and singing star, leads a glamorous life. Presenting Min May! After the show, Min May and pilot Rick Hunter take a ride in the fanliner jet. Then it's off to dinner at the Chinese restaurant. Oh, Rick, I'm having so much fun. Dolls sold separately is shown. Other outfits and accessories also sold separately. New from Matchbox. And then the other thing that, that's great about those DVD sets is, um, and I just wanted to bring this up and see what you guys think of it, but they, they have all these old toy commercials, you know, for, for, I guess, I think it was like Matchbox made a bunch of the Robotech stuff. I, I know if Tony was here, he'd know more about it than I would. But, um, you know, I, I know there's all these different, you know, toy lines that they had. And I remember having the little Rick Hunter, you know, it was it was basically a G.I. Joe figure. You know, it had kind of like the swivel arms and the, the little, you know, rubber band, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, contraption set up, how they were built and stuff. And he came with a little helmet and I think a pistol and everything. And I, I just kind of liked the way he looked, you know, or whatever. And I think that's why I ended up, you know, getting him or whatever. But I guess they had all kinds of other stuff, you know, whether it was, you know, uh, a transforming, you know, kind of jet fire-ish, you know, Macross, you know, toys or, you know, things like that. But some of the other toys that they had that they tried to sell, which I kind of found hilarious when I was watching the old TV commercials, were dolls. Like, they were trying to sell dolls to girls because I guess, you know, like, like I don't know, I guess they thought there was a market for that. And, and, and then when I watched the second Robotech series, I guess you'd call it, or the, you know, the, 
what you know the one that was based on another anime the southern cross or whatever like the lead in that is the you know i guess the way they set it up in robotech is that it's the daughter of two other characters from the previous series you know like rick's um you know one of his uh wingman and and this other chick get together and have a, a daughter and supposedly it's supposed to be that girl even though it's from a totally different anime but they were trying to sell a doll of that character or like they had the lin minmay doll mm-hmm. you know it's like or lisa it's like it's like lisa called up rick and wants to go on a date you know and you see these little <laughs> girls and little guys like playing with dolls and it's like i don't have time for a date i've got to watch minmay sing you know let's comb minmay's hair you know and shit like that and i was like this is i don't know why like i was totally amused by that i'm like i couldn't believe i was like what robotech dolls for serious like for real? Like, I was like, you know, and it was Uh-oh. for real, you know, it's kind of like, Uh-oh. it's kind of like for me, it's like, it's like, you know, if they made a, a Princess Leia doll, but then they did a commercial where it's like, Darth Vader is totally angry, but he's combing Princess Leia's hair, you know, kind of like, wow, like, Uh-oh. I hope little girls are attacking, her. everyone to the shelters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, like, I thought it was kind of funny where it's like, you know, it, it was definitely, um, you know, capitalizing on that kind of love triangle. I guess maybe they were hoping little girls watched the show too for all the girl drama or something. I don't know. I demand a Lynn Min May Jim and the Holograms team up. There we go. That that is a demand and uh and and you know, maybe someone someday somewhere will fulfill it. You know, you never know. Like uh you, you could get some of these C B R artists that do uh team mashups you know you should put that in as a suggestion in the suggestion box if it ever comes up you know so what do you what do you love about lin minmay justin barber like what's i know you said to leave lin minmay alone you want to want to go into that a little bit or? i think me and you will have two dramas if we get into it <laughs> no okay. no no okay. i'm just gonna uh i don't know like i totally see the points you were making about the character like you know when i was rewatching the movie yeah, I can totally see that she's kind of like, you know, uh, kind of like stuck up and, you know, all about herself. And, you know, she only seems to care about uh, Hikaru when she thinks he, she might lose him or something. Like, I totally get that. But I don't know. Like, there was a part of me that's like, oh, they're, they're not going to, you know, end up together. But, you know, like the first half of the movie, like, you know, when he saves her and then they end up like, you know, dancing around in like zero G and all this stuff. And, you know, I don't know. Like, it. But I thought those were like some kind of you know sweet moments, I guess. But I don't know. Like I, I guess you and I will just have to differ over that. Well, no. I mean, I mean, in some ways, we probably actually agree. Like I did, I did kind of say like that uh, that she kind of reminds me of girls I've either crushed on or have dated in the past. So that's gotta that's gotta speak to it. Just because I don't like it, it just it just it was a funny feeling being much much older watching Robotech. Mm-hmm. And kind of going, oh, yeah, I remember when I was that goddamn <laughs> stupid and young. Like, that's kind of what I felt like when I was watching it. You know, I was like, oh, I remember when I let girls, like, you know, kind of, like, run the show like that and was totally kind of had my head in the clouds and didn't know what was going on and that kind of yeah. thing. So, you know, it's just that that's kind of what it reminded me of, you know, where where he he, he was – you know, he's very young and stuff, and it just kind of reminded me of when I was, you know, my teens or early 20s and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, we've we've probably, most of us, been in any kind of situation where we're like, you know, well, does this girl, like, actually like me, or is she just, like, you know, 
just like you know slumming it, or is she just like trying to make somebody jealous? You know, like what's really going on here? Right, like, I, right. I totally get that. Like you kind of feel sorry for him, you know, because you're like, well, is she, you know, totally, you know, just you know playing tricks with him or whatever? But yeah, yeah. I think I think just from a from a I guess an older uh, you know you know from a place of more wisdom, you know, you kind of kind of see it like where you're like, oh, obviously he should he should end up with Lisa Hayes. Do you know what I mean? Like she's She's so much better for him, you know, whereas I think when you're younger, you're kind of like, but Minmay's so pretty and she sings and she's famous, you know, like, yeah. you know, you could see that kind of that kind of dichotomy of, of how you're torn between the, the, the two women. But again, much like Peter Parker with Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane, you know, motherfuckers wish they had problems like yeah. that. So, yeah. so, you know what, Rick, like, you know, it's, it's not so bad. So or he maybe, got maybe he so, should so, ask uh, Archie yeah. Andrews for some advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Archie Andrews knows all about that shit. So, but uh, yeah, I think I think we kind of talked up Robotech. I mean, if, if if you guys have any more, I guess if the fans have any more things to uh, to tell us about uh, Robotech, maybe some of the episodes they liked or things that they liked or, or Japanese names we butchered or you know stuff you disagree with. Maybe you know you love Min May's dub voice version of the Japanese actress on Macross and. Uh, you know, and, and I'm an asshole or whatever, just send some, some angry emails, you know, like whatever it is, you know, or, or you want to tell us your favorite uh, RPG classic games, you know, something we might have, uh, you know, not talked about on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, and then uh, I guess before we wrap up, uh, you know, what, what we like to do every week, um, if you listen to the podcast uh, on a regular basis, is I guess we've come to that point where we're going to cover our awesome thing of the week and so that's just basically where you know we kind of go around the table and everybody just share something that's particularly kick-ass uh for this week so i will go ahead and I'll, i guess i'll switch it up and do it in reverse um on my skype monitor and i'll start with brian so brian what is your awesome thing of the um week? it's a video game i kind of got a backlog so it might be video games for a while but whatever it's uh, I'm in control picking it, so I pick a video game. I'm actually going to talk about Mass Effect 3. The reason it is backlogged, I've been trying to wait till I've beaten it um, to actually talk about talk about it, but I haven't beaten it yet, and uh, I guess I'll explain why. The reason why is the only like downfall of the game. Um, it's a multiplayer mode. Uh, basically, to get there's a there's a multiplayer mode with an um, ongoing battle called like Galaxy at War or whatever. You, when you start the game, you start out like at 50% readiness um, in this giant galaxy of war thing. So as you play rounds of multiplayer, you know you go up 3%, or if you do especially good, you'll jump up, you know, 6%. And then if you get that rating all the way to 100% by the um, by the time you go into the last mission of the game, you you're you know able to get the best ending. But the problem is that every day that you don't play, that percentage keeps dropping. So, you know, and I don't have time to play every single day, so I'll get it up to 100%. That'll take me an hour to play three rounds or whatever. And then, you know, I can't play for two days, and I get back on, and I want to beat the final mission, but I'm at 85% or whatever again. So, um, yeah, that's really frustrating, but honestly, it's the only bad thing I can say about the game. Um, You know, I love the Mass Effect series for people that have played it, you know. It's like one of the best science fiction series that you know of like any genre or like any uh, medium like i like it better than star wars or star trek it's just a uh, really engrossing and really really well developed um universe so yeah i really enjoy the game it it makes improvements you know almost in every aspect of all the other games 
the only bad part is the multiplayer. So no, that's great. Um, I I have only been exposed to the first Mass Effect, but from what I played of it, it was fairly fun and entertaining, and I can see why people enjoy you know customizing their own characters and and kind of you know interacting and all that. You know, like I say, space makes everything awesome, and you know you're interacting in those you know science fiction kind of uh, you know backdrop and constraints and everything and and it seems like there was a lot of hype for the you know the third version of this game and so uh yeah i mean it seems like a cool game mike what what is your uh we're just gonna move it along but what, what's your awesome thing this week uh this past sunday uh me and my dad went and uh saw the three stooges and uh, i enjoyed it quite a bit it was a very loving homage to the classic three stooges um i'm I'm very glad that they went with, like, sort of no-name actors, because uh, I don't think it would have worked if it was, like, Jim Carrey and, like, uh, Sean Penn and, like, what they I think what they were originally planning or whatever. But they went with, like, you know, relatively no-name actors, and it worked, like, like great. Like, like Will Sasso was, like, dead on to Curly, but uh, the most impressive one was, uh, I don't even, I can't even pronounce his last name. It's, like, Chris Dimatopoulos or something, but he played Mo, and he was, like, dead on. Like, he had the facial expressions, like, the tics, like, everything. It was, like, r- incredible. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it needed, like, it, it seems like they needed to add, like, a human interest story into it or something, like, just because, like, they didn't know, like, you know, if audiences would, like, just, you know, uh, they wouldn't know how it, the audiences would digest this just being, like, all slapstick and stuff. But that, I don't think they really needed that. But, you know, all, all the slapstick stuff was, like, great. So yeah, I enjoyed it quite a quite a bit. I'm actually glad that you talked about that because um like when it was first announced and I was reading about it, you know, I figured it'd be awful. But um yeah. like as I'd seen like different clips on T V or, you know, short, you know, fifteen or you know, like making of videos that they put out, like it actually seemed like it could be decent, so it's kinda cool that you gave it a good review. Yeah, like like I said, like it seems like the like the studio like was like oh make like put a like a you know some kind of like story that you know like well I I don't think I'm far off in saying this that girls do not get the Three Stooges like like my mom would sit through the Three Stooges like me and my dad would be laughing our asses off and she'd just be like you know totally dead silent so it seems like they had to add in like a little like b plot or something where the stooges have to like save some orphanage and stuff and like they're like wasting like screen time on like these orphans who have like this b plot and stuff that's like totally not funny at all or whatever see that's that's what lynn minmay gets us the orphanage subplot. <laughs> yes but no all the stooges stuff was like hilarious like you know it, it was a it was like dead on homage to like you know the classic shorts and it, like even this funny ass stuff where like they fall off a building and when they hit the ground it's like just dummies and then they do the quick cut to them getting up like just like in the old shorts and stuff so or like they get vaulted over a fence and like when it's going over the fence you can tell it's just like mannequins and stuff stuff like that makes me like laugh my ass off so yeah but i i recommend it it was definitely great cool i'm i'm actually surprised to hear you know 
I don't know. For me, I I I, I abhor remakes and of things and stuff. So I'm impressed that uh, that you're praising it so much. So I, I think that's great. I guess I'll I'll just do mine real quick and we'll 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 wham it out with Justin. I ended up getting the Canadian import of the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes Blu-ray in the mail this week, and uh, so I was pleasantly surprised and happy to get that. Um, well, I mean, I ordered it, so I wasn't like shocked that I got it, but you know what I mean. I was like, I was just happy that it's a it's a nice DVD or Blu-ray set, and uh, it's got the whole season. It's on two discs. It's kind of sparse, you know. I mean, I guess I guess if you count uh, talking in French, uh, special feature, and then it's got a couple interviews from uh, the various voice actors and some of the series creators like Chris Yost and stuff like that. But uh, the picture's really nice and clean. Uh, it's got some 5.1 uh, DTS surround sound. So, I mean, I, you know, and I, I don't know when and if and how, you know, they'll ever bother to uh, put the show on Blu-ray in the States. So I just said, fuck it, and ordered it. And, you know, it was a little more expensive than I normally would have paid since it's imported and I had to pay the shipping. But you know what? I, I enjoy the show a great deal, and the first season was great. So it's not too much skin off my back. I'm kind of happy that... Uh, that I have a copy. Well, I'm... Um, and if anybody didn't know about it, that's, you know, you can, you know, you can just get it on Amazon Canada or whatever. I was going to say, I'm actually glad you brought up that topic, Derek, because um, in Target the other day, as there, and they have all the Avengers stuff out, but they had like, you know, or, or the Avengers DVD sets, like volume one, two, and three, but I was kind of wanting to hold out for Blu-ray. So you definitely recommend this set? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the picture and sound is great. Like I said, I probably spent like, I think I think the set is like something like 30-something bucks. And then because it was coming from Canada, I probably paid like, you know, nine bucks in shipping or something. So I think grand total, it probably ran me about 40 bucks to get the whole thing sent. But, I mean, it's slim. It's good. It's two discs. It's got... You know, the, the, you know, whatever it is, like 13 episodes on the first disc, 13 episodes on the second disc, plus, you know, a couple of those little featurettes. And, I mean, you know, I think it's solid. Yeah, so. that's actually not bad because at Target, at least, they were like fourteen ninety nine per volume. So it's almost works out like the Yeah, same so even price. then, even if, even if you bought like all four DVD sets, that'd run you 60 right. bucks. So, cool. I mean, yeah. So. Cool. So, uh, yeah, not to leave uh, Justin out of this, but uh, what what is your awesome thing of the week? Justin? I have two things. Um, the first thing is uh, today the season finale of Young Justice aired, and I thought it was really great. Like, uh, I would probably go out and limb and say this is one of my top two favorite DC animated shows. Um, I really enjoyed the season so far, and it's been great. And, you know, the cool thing is we don't have to wait a long time for the second season to start because it'll start, you know, for us, it'll be a week away. But, you know, by the time you hear this in the future, it'll be, you know, two months from now. You'll be into it. But by the time you hear this, it'll be on hiatus. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they approved, another, like, another 20-something episode season, so that's cool. Season two will be long, too. That's good. Uh, what I really like is, you know, for, you know, hardcore DC fans like, you know, me and Derek, they have a lot of, you know, cool characters showing up, like uh, some new gods and, you know, the Super Cycle and, you know, stuff like that. And then you've got people who I'm not familiar with, like Icon and Rocket. So I kind of want to, you know, check it, check them out, maybe read some back issues of them. So I think when you can cater to, like, hardcore fans and then still, like, put stuff in there to surprise them and make them curious like that's that's a really good thing 
You know, plus it's just a really well written and animated show. The second thing I have is I've been watching the uh, first season of the uh, Mission Impossible series in the '60s. I think uh, on the probably the previous show uh, I mentioned I watched the fourth Mission Impossible movie, and I kind of got to thinking I hadn't really watched this series in years, like probably since it was on FX. Like I remember getting up early and watching the Adam West Batman series and MASH and Mission Impossible and FX, like, you know, probably around the time I was in high school or graduated. But I'm, like, halfway through the first season, and I've only seen, like, one episode so far that I absolutely hated. It was this really weird episode about ghosts or something, and it didn't really make much sense. But every other episode has been really cool. Like, they do, you know, of course, they do a whole lot of, like, you know, really cool spy stuff. And, you know, you've got Martin Landau, you know, constantly switching up identities and pretending to be various people and, yeah, it's just a really cool spot show. So, you know, if if you like, you know, classic TV or you know shows like that from the '60s, then I would definitely uh, recommend checking it out. Yeah, Justin, did good. you not buy the science of the ghosts or what? <laughs> I, I I did not buy the science of the ghost in the episode. Okay. Yeah, I I enjoy uh, I enjoy Young Justice a lot too, and and uh, Mission Impossible is a is a cool show. So I guess I guess that wraps us up for this week. We uh, also just so you know, uh, we've got our email address. If you want to send us any comments, send us any angry emails, uh, happy emails, uh, questions, suggestions for shows, things like that. Um, you can send them to us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. You know, we've got our Blogspot page. Uh, if you like, you got a Google account or what have you, you can follow us on there. You can follow us on our Facebook page. You can subscribe to us on Blip TV and watch the video versions. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes and follow the podcast. So there's plenty of different ways to uh, check us out. So please do. And, uh, yeah, so I guess that's that's going to wrap us up for tonight. This is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. And uh, take us out, fellas. Hey, it's Brian Breakdown. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing. I'm an evil warlock here. And this is Justin Goodwin. Peace. Enough! This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Sweetly.